Well, good morning. Goeiemorgen. I'm actually um, Afrikaans, so if my airtime goes, my English airtime goes halfway through the preach, some people will be very blessed, and others of you would be like, what is this oak saying? Um, so, yeah, yeah, interpreting of tongues. So, we've been married about just over three years now, and you see tall people worshipping here. It's fine. It's fine. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if I need it. Um, and we have a little one um, coming in September. Brigitte's actually pregnant. Believe it or not, she's wearing black, so she's in disguise today. But we are already 23 weeks, over halfway already. Believe it or not, yeah. Um, so we're probably going to have a tiny little girl. Her name is going to be Mia. Uh, Moya Mia, I always say. So Mia's coming in September. We're very excited. We don't know what to expect. We know there's a baby coming, but what, what's coming with the baby? The older people are like, yeah, it's all sincere. And <laughs> you, will, you will see something is coming for you. We don't know what we're going to find out on that side, um, but we are excited. And it's been lovely just to be here. Um, I love Ezerfontein. My grandparents used to have a house here, and we came quite often here. And just walking around, it just feels like there's so many memories. And, yeah, it's just a lovely town and lovely to be here. And we really have enjoyed, um, yeah, just, Mike, and say thank you for you guys. Just, yeah, your heart for the people here. And I just want to encourage each one of you. They're really, really a couple to look up to. They're a couple that have not only have sacrificed, but busy sacrificing not only um, their time, but their lives for, for you. And I know there's visitors here, and you maybe don't even know Mike and Stacey, and know the people that have come with them, and how they've relocated their lives from Malfors to come here. But it's really something to be honored, and I want to honor you guys. I want to honor you that you, in a sense, plucked out your lives there, came to this side, and it's for you. It's for you that are sitting here this morning, that they've come uh, to bring Jesus, to bring something of New Testament Christianity. And you would see that we are just a bunch of real people. We are not anything fancy. Don't expect anything fancy this morning. You can grade me afterwards. Yeah, that was like a six out of ten preach. Well done, Enre. Um, but to a large extent, it's, it's just us being real and shining Jesus, not only through what we say, but through who we are, um, loving him and just following the New Testament pattern to see healthy churches being established all across the world. So although God is doing something in Azerfontein, I believe God is doing something across the nation to restore the church back to what He has intended it to be. And you have the privilege to be a part of that and never lose that. Amen. Yeah, so we've been a part of Josh Jen for a while, um, 10 years actually. I think this is my 10th year that I've been a part of Josh Jen. And I joined when there was only, I think, 10, 10 Josh Jens. Now we are 47 and I'm like, it felt like a blink of an eye, and then it's like, okay, it's growing, in, and we have grown so much in the Lord over this couple of years. Uh, we, got, we met one another in the church or in the Bible school. Uh, they call it year of your life. I call it year of my wife, and um, it, was, it was a blur. Six months I give to Jesus, and six months I give to my wife, but I got the full package in that one year. Um, I have the privilege to actually work for Josh Jane, um, so I'm full-time uh, in ministry, full-time in, yeah, just following Jesus. So I always say my work is people. I love people. I love just hanging out and getting to know names and taking a genuine interest in, in the people. And, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a journey um, in, in Josh Jen as a whole. 
And I truly trust that as you are looking in, that there will be something that you see a glimpse of us this morning. Even as visitors, you come, it's almost like you come to a house and you're like, what's going on in this house? You look through the window and wie is all die mense? And why have they come to Eiserfontein? And who, what's going on here? But I truly trust that you won't stay at the window. That you will come have a cup of tea. I like coffee. I don't drink tea. My dad works for Rooibos, but I, I'm always a, a coffee drinker. But that you would come and have coffee with us and get to know us and take a genuine interest and know one another's names. We don't just want people coming in and out and warming the seats, but actually want to know your name. We want to know who you are. We want to know every bit of detail, although that might sound scary. But it is a joy that when we truly have fellowship with one another, when there is a knowing. Amen. I want to pray for us, and then we can get going. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And that's why we're here this morning, because of you, Jesus that you've died on a cross and, and sacrificed every, everything, that you've, in a sense, left heaven to come to the earth to die for us, God, so that we can be restored back and have fellowship. And I trust this morning that there will be such a closeness, God, that every single one of us will feel the closeness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was standing there, I just felt marnus. Um, um, I just felt the Lord's actually in our circle while we were praying. I just felt as you started to speak um, or pray, I felt the Lord uh, highlight leadership um, on you. And I, and I felt also the word reluctant. <laughs> and that I think initially you would look at leadership and there would be a reluctance. You're like, no, no, I'm not one of those type of people. Um, maybe you are. But I think God is preparing something in you. And not only in, in your marriage. I believe you guys are married. I saw the ring. Um, but that there's something that the Lord is busy preparing the ground, and I think you, you would be surprised where you will end up in 5, 10, 20 years down the line, and you will look back at even this moment and say, God did a wonderful work, and to be ready for that and allow and yield it to God to come and do something, because I really think there is leadership on your life, and I believe, I, I heard the word a leader of leaders, that leaders would look up to you and say, this man is, is worthy to be followed. But I don't think you're going to be a, necessarily a very loud, like a bombastic type leader. And, but there would something of a silent heart. And people, I saw many people sitting around you and just um, you teaching them and, and, and just nuggets giving out bread to people. And I think many people sit around you still in the years to come. And I also felt for the, for the mommies in the room, and I know there's, there's quite a couple of uh, older uh, tannies in the room. And it's almost like I'm speaking with my, with my mother. And I just felt the tenderness, like um, the gentleness of God for you guys. And I, I really felt that God wants to um, almost encourage you. And I felt God, God tell me that many of you have fought many battles. And that God wants to say, I was with you in that battle. It felt very lonely. It felt very long. It, felt, it just felt difficult. But I believe the Lord say, says that if he sees every tear. He sees every tear. And I believe there's a, there's a comfort in that. And I specifically felt um, for, the, for the moms, and I don't know if they're single moms, but there was something in that. I got raised by a single mom. I come out of a divorced family. Um, I can't speak a lot about marriage, but I can speak about how not to do it. And I know there's moments of, of loneliness and moments of just how are we going to do this? And I felt the Lord's comfort in all of that. 
Amen. So this morning, I, I felt actually uh, something of a sort of a, that's why this is very loose. As you can see, I'm going to bring it together. I'm actually a very systematic type person. One plus one always equals two. And I love when a preacher tells me what he's going to preach about, and then he needs to preach about it, and then he needs to recap everything he preached about. That's the base preachers, okay? Because I know what's coming, and then it came, and then they tell me, and then I can recap, and I have already a summary. So I'm that type of person. So this is even a stretch for me this morning. But I felt something of a, of, of a sort of a prophetic preach for you guys that the Lord has laid on my heart. And basically for those that don't even know what, what the prophetic is, it's basically hearing and speaking. It's hearing what God is saying and just speaking it. And to a large extent, I believe any preaching needs to have a prophetic edge to it. Because ultimately, we don't, as, as Josh Jen, we don't regularly have a preaching schedule till the end of December, knowing every single week. We don't even know what this morning is going to look like. They just know basically this person is going to be on worship, this person is going to lead the meeting, and this person is going to preach, hopefully. But we allow the Lord to lead His church because the Bible speaks about that God is building His church. And I believe this morning would be something more of a prophetic preach in the sense that God wants to highlight certain aspects to you. And I called it actually your war or your fight or your battle or your wrestle, whatever you want to put in there. Because I believe the Lord is calling Eiserfontein to some battles. And I want to read us a scripture that's going to launch us into this morning. Um, it's the judges one. I'm going to... We need to pray for him for grace because we're going to be all over the place this morning. Um, Judges 3, verse 1 and 2. Um, we can read that together. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. So the book before Judges is Joshua, and we are called Joshua Generation. And I felt it to be quite profound that the Joshua Generation was a group of individuals or a nation that conquered the promised land of God. So from Exodus, they came from Moses. It was handed over to Joshua. And Joshua led the people of God into the promises of God. And there was a sense of many battles taking place. And they took the promises of God. And they distributed um, the, the different um, areas to the different tribes. And there was such a sense of victory and the closeness of God that God was busy fighting for the nation of Israel. Then after that, they inhabited the promised land of God, and then Joshua um, passed away, but then the judges' generation started. And we do see here that God starts to speak to the judges' generation, that the judges' generation actually built on the legacy of the Joshua's, that they actually stood on the shoulders of men and women that have fought many battles before them. But God is saying that a generation is arising that does not know how to war. They don't know how to fight. So they actually, to a large extent, just get born into the promises of God. Just like Eiserfontein, to a large extent, if you become a part of us, you don't just become a part of Eiserfontein, but you become a part of Joshua generation, 
47 congregations across the globe, but also 412, that's 4,500 churches across the nations that you're becoming a part of. And there's a sense that there's been people before us that has fought many battles, that's, that fought for truths, that has fought for, for New Testament Christianity, that, it, that there's a freedom in our expression of, of Christianity and how we follow the word to its T. We don't take out anything from that and we try to stick as close, closely to Scripture as possible. But I believe God wants to, in a sense, come this morning and say, take up your arms. I want to teach you to war again. Because the values that the people before us have fought for, that, have, that they've um, built into Joshua generation, not just us, but allowing us to, to have this expression of God, that there's something that God wants to say, it's time for you to have certain battles to fight for those same things and to stand on the shoulders of them. And I want to look at the next scripture. I think it's Acts, Acts 13, verse 36 says the following, For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his father and saw corruption. And I love that portion in the beginning that says, David served the purposes of God in his generation. And in 2023, in our generation, God is calling each individual here to serve the purposes of God in his own generation. And I believe there's certain battles and certain things and certain things that's given to us to fight for in this generation that God is saying it's for you. And just to put the point a little bit further, um, I think it's Acts 17 that speaks about, and he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, meaning a time you will be born and a time that you will die. God said that you would live in 2023. Not just that, and the boundaries of the dwelling place is profound and scary at the same time, that God not only has caused you to be born at a specific time, Mia will be born hopefully somewhere around September. That would be the beginning of her allotted time period and start button will be pushed. And there will be something of a period of a couple of, I, I don't know how long Mia will live, but God allotted a time period for her to live on the face of this earth. But not only that, God determined her to be born into this family. Into Stellenbosch, we will most probably still be there into that congregation. And just like many of you, there's a time period given by God that you would live in Eiserfontein or Darling or Langebon, wherever you are from. And God gave you that family, this family, your family that you're born into, your sphere of influence, your work environment, and it's given to you to serve the purposes of God there. And I believe that God is calling us to exactly that. And the two things I want to highlight, but I'm, I'm going to start with the one and then move to the next one, that I believe God says, pick up this battle again, is the battle of marriage. And you would look, Henry, you, you just came out of your mother's house, and now you want to speak about, to us about marriage. I know. So we've been married about it's three years, just over three years now. But I believe I've grown up in a marriage, and I've seen the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. I followed the Lord and I've read scripture. And this morning, I actually want to take a humble posture to say, I didn't have all the answers when it comes to the topic of marriage. I didn't have the, I can't say in front of a group of people, so this past 20 years, let me teach you from that place. But I can teach you from scripture. I can teach you from the little bit that we know of one another and have grown in this. And I believe we have a great marriage, to be honest. Somebody said it this morning. Three years, you look like you're still on honeymoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I believe God has these universal truths and things that if we apply it to our life, if we do it according to His pattern and His way, it will be successful because He is the designer of marriage. And that's my first point. Marriage is from God. Marriage is from God. And why that is profound is because the world tries to say that, no, 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 we, it's just two people liking one another, and there's a sense of a agreement with one another, and that's what we have. No. It, marriage is actually not only just a commitment to one another. It is a covenant. It's a giving of yourself to another person. Not just a little bit of yourself, everything. Why? That's how God destined it to be. God created male and female, like and unlike, to be one flesh. And there's something of a beauty in that because it comes from God, and He designed it. And I want to read us a scripture because marriage is not the end all and be all of life. It is actually only a shadow. If I would walk in here, I can see a little bit of my shadow here. You would see, yeah, you know, it looks like somebody holding a mic, but... Me physically standing here is the real thing. And just like that, marriage is actually only a shadow reflecting something way bigger than yourself. And that's why I think um, it is not just marriage, it's not just only a duty, but it's actually this purpose behind marriage. It's purposeful. It's given by God and it's purposeful. And we can read that scripture in Ephesians. It says the following, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And it's speaking about covenant. It's speaking about a giving wholeheartedly to one another. It's speaking about it's such a giving to one another that it's not even considered anymore two separate people, but a unit. Everybody would say it's Henry and Brigitta. It's no longer just Henry. It's no longer just Brigitta. It is Henry and Brigitta is here this morning. There's always there's a sense of a unit that, that God is, has put together. And they don't even call us on our names. It's the Latagans. It's just like there's such a, a unit component to us, and God destined it to be that way. But it says this mystery, this marriage is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The real thing is actually that we are the shadow, and Christ in the church is the real thing. That God is calling me to represent something of God, and Brigitte to, re to represent something of the church, and this relationship reflects the real thing that it's actually to do between our relationship with God, like and unlike, just like God and human is like and unlike, that there's a difference, yes, yet a unity between the two, and God has destined us to reflect Him. That's why I believe God is calling us to fight for our marriages because it reflects the very nature of God. 
that when people look at your marriage and our marriage and marriages around, that they would say, that's, that's just like God. That's just like our relationship with God. That there's something of a beauty in that. But I want to say, many of us will look back at our lives and we'd look at, I don't know if there's some people here coming out of divorce, households, second marriages, or what your life has hold you in back then. But, but, where you are now, you can give yourself to the marriage that you are part of. You can give yourself the commitment where you are part of now. If you are a single mother, and might, I, I don't know that. I don't know the people sitting in front of me. God is with you. And there's something of you committed to your children, committed to the people around you, that you do reflect some aspect of God. And so we do want to create a safe environment in our marriages that when people look at it, they would say, there's a safe place for me there. There's a safe place for me there. And I believe even as mothers, I grew up with a mom that basically raised my, my sister and I from a young age, and there was a safe space in my mom's heart. I felt safe. I felt home. I felt a place of comfort, and we can create that safe environment for many people to come in because a marriage is never only two people. It's a family unit, yes, but it invites others in. Um, while preparing, I thought, um, that's why I remember your name so easily. There's a, there's a guy in the Wellington congregation also called Marnus. Um, they have a massive farm, so maybe one day. <laughs> and Marnus and Marley, they're three kids, um, young kids, and they feel like our friends. My, um, there's a couple in Kimberley that said, there's an there's a age that you reach, don't just ever out. So they are like quite older than us. They're like, yeah, 40, 45, 47. And um, when we go to them, it feels like on just ever out. They're like our friends. But there's something of their family dynamic that just shines Jesus. And actually, the elders had to step into their family and say, guys, you need to put boundaries. Because people just like love them so much and they have this hospitality gift and they open their house and people just go there. And it's not like they're perfect. I've seen them fight before me, in front of me and I'm like, oh, this is awkward. And I've seen them discipline their children. But there's such a sense of family that they committed to one another, they committed to their children and they want to bring people into this family unit that is beautiful. And I believe that is the type of marriages God is calling us to. So I believe there's two areas that I just want to jump into that I believe God is asking us to fight for. Number one, God is asking us to fight for time. If you do not schedule your time, somebody else will. It's so easy that we go through life and we do certain things and then we find ourselves in the end of the road and we're like, where did this week go? Where did this day go? So we need to come to a place to fight for time for one another. And I love, there's a scripture, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians um, verse 2, that says, We give thanks to God always um, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And then verse 3 speaks about, um, I see I didn't have it on there, but it speaks about this phrase, and it speaks about love, but it connects it with some other word, and it says, the labor of love. The labor of love. In Hebrews 10, it also speaks about the labor of love. And I love that because 
labor feels for me, um, I come from, a, uh, from Clan William. My dad works for, for Rooibos. So we've always grown up on a farm. And it feels for me marriage is like a field. And the labor of love is like a farmer going to a field and considering the field of marriage. And saying, what does this field need? And he plows it and he throws some water on it and he takes out the weeds that shouldn't be there and he, and he puts down seed and, and waters it and looks carefully at it and considers the seasons and considers what they're going through. And I believe, believe marriage and love should be likewise, that it is actually not a passive thing, but an active thing that we give ourselves to. Marriage is never something that can be left on the back burner. No, my marriage will grow some way, shape or form. Have you ever left a pot plant? Pot plants die in our house because it gets left the whole time. It looks so ugly. <laughs> yeah, you guys have like beautiful things. Our house looks crazy. We, have, we need to get that fake plants. But marriage is not like that. Marriage is, that, is a garden that needs to be tended to the whole time. We need to labor in that field. We need to give ourselves to that field. We need to give time and plow time into that field. Otherwise, it will never work. And there is some indicators that we see that not a lot of time is being invested into the field. For the husbands. Shoo, Liefie, it's a long time ago, right? It's been a while since we have a date night. Or, why, do you, why, why don't you ever give me flowers? There's these hints coming through. I've heard it a lot. Or there's a sense of, I wish we can just go away. That's why I'm in Eiserfontein. We're working on our marriage. <laughs> but there's these subtle hints that start to come through, usually from the wife. And I want to ask us of husband just to take note of that. Because there is a sense of a need starting to arise. Because I believe wholeheartedly in the scripture that what the heart is full of, the mouth will speak. If there's a need, it will come out of the mouth. Sometimes they will say it, ons gaan nou weg. And other times, it will subtly come in. And if we don't tend to that garden, the, heart will start, the, the ground will become hard. And later on, they won't ask anymore. And they will just settle that this is the new norm. But actually, they've closed their heart a little bit. And there's a sense of a distancing starting to happen. There's a sense of every time you want to communicate, it just feels like there's this extra jump or this extra effort that I need to make. And it might be that a sort of resentment, a sort of just a distance start to happen. And we have been married not that long, but I can see it even in a week, that I've not plowed into this field, that I've not labored into this field. There's a sense of a hardening. She's a lovely wife. She's always open and things like that. But I can see the hints start to happen. So we need to take heed in that. Husbands, we need to prioritize that. And other way around, I think many times husbands have more emotional need than one we th what we think. I'm the dramatic one in our relationship, really. It's sometimes I have more mental breakdowns than Brigitta, and she needs to tend to this field. But there is a sense that I also need time to be invested into. I need to have a time that I can just be heard, that she can sit and just listen to me, and we need to invest time into that relationship. But the second thing flows into that, and that is communication. Do you prioritize time to actually communicate well with one another? I remember 
a couple of years ago, we were, we were only still dating, and I had to preach at a youth camp. And I preached, uh, I had to preach on the Holy Spirit, okay? So every time people preach on the Holy Spirit, it feels like there needs to be power and healings, and people will fall over, and I'm like pumped for the evening. So I see fire. Um, so I'm getting ready for this preach the whole morning. I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm, I'm trusting for, for God to come and do something. Then we go on this camp. On this camp, we hang around with the people and then just enjoy them. And then they ask us, it was near Franz Rook, and they said, there's this nice coffee shop. Don't you want to go grab a coffee? And I got, we went into town, grabbed grab the coffee for everyone, and on our way back. Brigitte had a tough day, a tough week, actually. Her, she was busy painting her nails, and the brush fell on her favorite shoes or on her dress. So she was miffed about that. Like, her whole dress, and now there's a lot of people. I think it's a big deal sometimes. But I looked at that, and I'm like, no, just focus on the Lord. Cut out every negativity. We're focusing on Christ today. And as we're driving back on this dirt road, the coffee's busy spilling the whole time. And I can see something arising next to me. She's getting muff on this coffee. It's falling on her. Then she went down to, um, her, that, that was it, your shoe broke. Her favorite shoes, leather shoes from Redemption Wellington, broke. Till today I hear it. That shoe's broke. And I can see something arise in her. And there comes this moment, we just before the campsite. She's like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to give coffee to people. I, I hate coffee. She hates the smell even of coffee. I love coffee. And I need to focus on Jesus. So I stopped the car, and this is how not to do it, man. Okay? So what I'm preaching now is not the good way to do it. But our communication at that point sucked. I stopped the car. I turned to her. Liffy, we are blessing people today. And I started to go off on her and like, can't you just live a little bit sacrificially? And she's like, okay. And she turns to me and pulls things out of three months ago. I'm like, well, oh, you're playing dirty. And I'm like, this is now fight. And I bring three months fight in and now we muff, eh? And they sometimes, they blue, blue zone people and red zone people. Red zone people just see red and then what comes out comes out. And blue zone, I'm usually a blue zone. I just become quiet. I'm like, this time I was a red zone. We had this little yellow beetle car. We stopped. The whole campsite was busy, like a lot of kids playing. The leaders sitting and waiting for their coffee. I parked the car, turned off the car, threw it with the keys. I opened the, I opened the door and I walked away. Open, I left the door open, I walked down the street. I'm like, I'm so miffed with this woman. She's like, okay, you, you're making a scene with me, I'm making a scene with you. She opens the door, puts the coffee on top. Henry, everyone is watching us. <laughs> and I'm walking down and I'm like, clapping dwarf oor. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to this woman, I'm walking. As we go down the road, I'm like, I stop and reality hits me. I'm like, everybody just saw that. And I start to laugh. She starts to laugh, and we're like, what are we going to tell them? She's like, let's tell them we lost the keys. I'm like, I'm preaching. We can't lie to the people. I'm like, no ways. And we went back on our way. I didn't know this, but our friend climbed into the car. He did three donuts with our car. He parked it in exactly the same spot as we had our tiff down the road. 
And as we came walking, he ran to us, clay. I'm like, oh. And I started to melt. And I knew that I knew that I knew if we communicated earlier, better, opened our hearts of how we are feeling, it would never have turned out that way at all. We did apologize, and yeah, we did fight, and it's normal. But I think there's a, there's, a, there's a need in every single one of us to communicate emotions, male and female, to communicate those emotions. So I want to encourage us to create time to sit with one another, to communicate feelings, to communicate just how was your day? I think sometimes you would make food and you would put the kids to bed and you would do so many things, but you miss one another, although you live with one another. Brigitte has her own business, so she works from home. I'm full-time in ministry, so I'm in and out of the house the whole time. And I've seen it, even though we have flexible, flexible schedules, we miss one another sometimes. And if we don't sit down and just communicate life to one another. Another big thing is expectations. Expectations is a silent killer of marriages. It's a silent killer. Because sometimes the other person don't even know you're expecting that of them. And sometimes our expectations is higher than Jesus. That was our, we are very black and white people. So our expectations sometimes on one another is, if you're not Jesus, I don't want it. And we needed to sit down and say, I am not Jesus. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm far from that. You saw that in that episode. But communicate that I'm not there yet, but maybe I can improve in this area. Just gently speak to one another and say, I, I actually dislike when you say that or this brings this up when you say that maybe a sharp word reminds you of hurt in the past and it just feels like you feel it all over again then you need to sit down Liffy when you said that and in that way it really hurt me and we need to communicate those different things physical needs sorry for the kids if you don't communicate it there will be a distancing Busyness will start to take over, and busyness does not equal fruitfulness, right? Just because you're busy doesn't mean you have a fruitful marriage, or a fruitful ministry, or a fruitful church. Busy churches are not always fruitful churches. Obedient churches is. Obedient husband and wives are. If we heal ourselves to God and give ourselves to Jesus, then fruit will start to come. So I want to encourage us that we... No, just give ourselves to these different areas in communication, in time, sit with one another. I don't even know where I am with time. I never started with all of that. Yeah, I think I'm going to skip the second half of my preach. It's okay. But I think the next one, um, I told some of the guys this morning that I think there's three areas in our South African mind, specifically, that we love to keep private. It's money. Nobody can know your salary. They know your salary is like taboo. You don't speak about your salary, eh? It's marriage, and it's actually your faith. It's religion. It's me and God. I believe that's such a lie that actually the enemy has started to infiltrate into the church, and the three biggest areas in your life you need to keep private. If things are private and left in the dark, it says in, in 1 John, 1 John 2 verse... 1 John 1 verse 9, I think it says that if we live in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And I think if we keep things in the dark, there will be a sense of a separation. 
even in your marriages, I want to encourage us. I don't know if you're visiting, if you're busy looking in, or, but we believe in Josh Jane, something of living in the light. That's why I don't really care about speaking about any area of our marriage. Living in the light, living in the open, because only then there will be a sense of a knowing of one another. Even if I share our failures, you will feel closer to me than when I share all my success stories. There's a sense if I a little bit make fun of the darker areas that feels like, oh, we need, you, you don't say that in a preach. You bring that. But now that we bring everything into the light, there's a sense of family. There's a sense of, we anyway know this. So I want to encourage us, even if you're looking in, busy looking in, we believe in openness, that you would bring those different areas into the light. And I don't mean everything there in front, but there is a sense that say, hey, Mike, we're really struggling in this area, and we just can't get over this hurdle. That in the area of marriage, we will open our lives to one another, sit with one another. There's godly families and godly marriages in, in this room to go sit with them and say, you like a six out of ten, we like a two out of ten. Just help us to get to a six. Because there is something where there's godly families and godly um, marriages that it just sucks people in, in a good way. They feel safe, they feel loved, they feel appreciated, they feel a sense of, this is a place that we can rest. And even in the church of Jesus Christ, I believe God wants healthy families and healthy marriages and healthy um, just relationships with one another, that when people come in, they would feel like this is home. This is home. So I want to encourage us to open our lives to one another even. That is the second thing actually I've thought, but I'm not going to go into that, is the thing of hospitality. Hospitality is welcoming strangers. And for many of you, you are strangers to one another. You don't know everybody here. Welcoming strangers to be family. Our culture has shaped us and molded us to I culture. Me, myself, and I. Me, my wife, and our dog. That is our culture. Let's put big fences around so that the neighbors know we are inside and you are outside. But actually, that is not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is open. The way of the kingdom is love. The way of the kingdom is actually hospitality. To invite people in and say, come and have a cup of tea. Or the Bible says even a cup of cold water to one of the believers is good enough. Even if you only have water at home, no excuses. The Bible covers all of it. It says even if, if you only have water and you have the sea, so you can just bring sea water. I have water, so let's fellowship. Let's enjoy one another. So that there's this sense of closeness. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Um, yeah, I had many other things prepared, but I really believe just the Lord wants to just wake us up in this area again, that there's a battle cry that God is calling us in this generation to fulfill the purposes of God, to say, let's apply and give ourselves to marriages. And I know for some of us it won't be relevant at all, but for many of us it will be. And I believe even for those that are not married here, you will benefit and reap the harvest of godly families. Those that are single here, you will come alongside and you have just as much a right to enter into that relationship and say, hey, there's a way of doing this. There's a way of following Christ. Amen. I'm going to pray for us and hand over to, to Mike and we probably going to yeah, pray for some people. So Father, we thank you just for...